surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. and welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is Taylor, your host, and today's episode is also based in LA. I was recording at the W in Beverly Hills. Love that hotel. Um, was super, super cute to record in. And I got to tell you, I was not prepared for this guest for this episode. I, again, major fangirled over Shan. I have followed her for a while now. Uh, Dr. Shan Boudram is a certified intimacy educator. She teaches people to be more competent and confident uh, she has been a sex educator for several years now and is just a badass woman of color in the sexual health field. If you don't remember, in episode 101, I spoke with uh, Sex with Dr. Jess. Um, her name is just Dr. Jess, but her in- I call her by her Instagram handle. Um, and we spoke about just kind of the the lack of women of color within the sexual health field in general. And um, definitely have looked up to Shan as a sex educator and um, I was so excited to meet with her. Um, I will say this, that LA trip that I had was quite exhausting, um, both dating-wise, professionally-wise, emotionally-wise, like all the things was just a bit exhausting. Uh, So this was recorded in December and uh, was both Chan and I were definitely tired when we came to record, but she brought so much energy and she really, she really killed it. This episode, this episode was fantastic. Um, she recently published a book called the game of desire, uh, five surprising secrets to dating with dominance and getting what you want all about how attraction is a skill that anyone can learn. So for all of you single people out there, you might want to listen up because you're about to learn some things. So I learned a lot and she was honestly just so amazing. Again, um, make sure to check out the episode notes to check out um, resources so you can get in contact with Shan so you can get her book. Um, She's also now doing a web series as well. So be sure to check that out. Uh, She overall is just a fantastic resource to follow for sexual education, for sexual health. um, And her and her husband are just like, so fine. So (laughs) with all of that said, uh, I really hope you all enjoy this episode and um, definitely feel free to leave a review if you have a minute or two after listening to this episode and, you know, just a sentence or two liking, saying what you liked about the show would mean a lot and super love seeing you guys share your support and also constructive feedback um, on the podcast. So there was one about the Talking with Taylor segments um, and super appreciated that review. Um, I will definitely be reframing, editing how I do the Talking with Taylor segments um, so that I let it play out all the way first before giving my response. So thank you for that lovely review and for all of you who have supported the podcast. um, Really, really appreciate it. And yeah, we can get started now. So (laughs) welcome to episode 110 and let's talk about it. Right, so welcome to the show, Shan. Thank you Woo! so much for being very here. Excited. Yes, very, very excited. Um, one of the things that I have loved about you is that you've called yourself Dr. Ruth meets Rihanna. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it was. I did a five-day flirting challenge, and mm-hmm. day one, I just wanted to help people answer the question, what do you do for a living? Because yeah. I've been in so many, just even social encounters where you see people have very tiny seizures when that mm-hmm. question is asked. Yes. And I'm like, why not have a canned response? So mm-hmm. the Dr. Ruth versus Rihanna was part of a formula mm-hmm. where you describe yourself, we'll do you, for example. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do for a living? I say I'm a psychotherapist, podcast host, and Instagram influencer. That's great. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So mine is, uh, I'm a, and you would just said that beautifully, yeah. that. And so that's a, a passion-driven question. Mm-hmm. So I'm a psychotherapist, podcaster, podcast host, podcast Instagram. host Instagrammer, that, mm-hmm. what's your that? Like, why do you do what you do? That breaks down stigmas around mental and sexual health. 
kind of like what are two things that you could mix together? I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like if you thought about it this way. Oh, no clue. Well, you would be, who's like a famous psychotherapist? Um, you could even say like, okay, let's think, uh, who podcasts, who's a famous podcaster that you love? Um, I love Cheryl Strayed. Okay, so you Dear could, Sugars. You could say kind of like Cheryl Strayed meets Oprah or kind of like Cheryl Strayed meets Judge Judy. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm not, she's not a psychotherapist, <laughs> but you know, she's telling people what time it is. So yes. the Dr. Ruth and Rihanna is like, okay, like I talk about sex and relationships, but mm-hmm. I try to make it fun, sensual, and sexy and leading by example through that. Where I think a lot of traditional sex and relationship educators tend yes. to not look like they do that very frequently. Mm-hmm. Where I want to make it clear like I'm fucking... So yes, yeah, that's the difference. And even as like we go through like, you know, who are these two people really that you could kind of think of? It's like there aren't really people in this space. I feel like that do look like us. And I've I've spoken with other people, too, who have talked a lot about just how like the sex field in general is pretty white dominated and a little whitewashed. And I find it interesting even as I navigate, you know, being podcast host, focusing on sexual health, um, even being a therapist as well, that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't, there aren't other people that I see that look like me doing this kind of work except you. So we do like, look very similar. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I got to meet with her. Like, I want to I wanna be friends with her. <laughs> There's a couple. I mean, I think like the more that you get into the world, you, you realize that there are, um, mm-hmm. the representation is there, but the, mm-hmm. the platform is not. And you can you know, take your guess as to why that is. You know, there's yeah. a lot of really great black and brown women who are in this space doing awesome work. Um, either they're not making podcasts um, mm-hmm. or, you know, they're not getting the same like opportunities for platforms that their white yeah. counterparts are. yeah. Yeah, I'm curious if if for you that felt like difficult at all to, to oh navigate through at the beginning. I forced my ass and like wherever I am, I bum rushed my way. Yeah. And I'm not a welcome um, entity, I think, in this space either. It's been really hard for yeah? me. Yeah, I think that I get a lot of backlash. But I also hmm. think that as well too. I, I did this thing... Um, Maybe like my my first my book first came out. Mm-hmm. I was on this TV show, and the other girl who was an actor who came to promote her TV show mm-hmm. spoke after my segment and used her segment just to tear me down. Like she utilized what? her full time to be like, I don't know about that girl. She's cute or whatever, but I want my advice from Doctor Ruth. Like I want my advice from someone seasoned. Whoa. And then she, the the hosts were asking, like, well, what did you think that she said that was wrong? And she literally parroted in a less intellectual way exactly what I had said. But I acknowledge that just because it was just identity politics of looking at me and saying this person's not supposed to be there. And after that happened, I went on my Instagram and I asked my audience, I was like, what do you do for a living? And do you look like the person who's Mm -hmm. supposed to do what you do for a living? And majority of people didn't, right? Like Mm -hmm. they were disruptors in their space, whether they were engineers or mathematicians, like they were young people of color or just young people in general or women in spaces mm-hmm. that they're not stereotypically that at. So yeah. I like to think of us as like cheerleaders for those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm so at this is so frustrating on one level and also is like empowering, right? Like I feel like my, in a way I've been describing it lately as almost like the reason I do this work is because like it, my pettiness is like fueling my desire <laughs> to just want to like shut people down in a way. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering for you, even as you navigate some of this backlash as well, that it's like, I feel like it's difficult to balance both being a professional and having, using, you know, education and, and knowledge um, and, and your expertise to talk about some of these things, but then also having like your humanity and just like being able to like be, and like you said, like you fuck too. Mm-hmm. I think that I also, I have to take accountability for also, I, my, my base is journalism. So the mm-hmm. very first thing I went to school for was journalism and journalism is write what you know. Mm-hmm. And so after I graduated from school, my first book laid came out in 2009, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. So I knew from back then that sex education does not sell, but sex sells. So I thought mm-hmm. to myself, there has to be somebody who makes sex education sexy and fun. And through doing that, I can come across like a tart to people. Mm-hmm. And I do a lot of tart-like shit, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I, I fully admit that, but that's also because I want this to be a fun space. It's never yeah. foolish, but it is fun. So in my book, for example, there's certain things that we did. I worked with six women and we tried out different psychological experiments. Like we tested out different hypotheses and they were a little silly, but the root of it all was to get them out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we did was... Was vabbing, which is what is vabbing? It's when you use your vaginal juice as perfume. 
Whoa. Yes. So like things like that will get me attacked and I have to also take responsibility for that because that is a little outlandish. Um, but if you read it, it came at a page like 188 in the book. So this mm-hmm. is after like so much self-work and so yeah. many other things. And this was just a fun field trip, a girl's trip out. Like we went to Soho House and we tried this out. So I think that like, yes, as much as the backlash is sometimes unwarranted, other mm-hmm. times I, I kind of invited into my world. Yeah. But it's a part of, I think, making this space interesting. Absolutely. I need to hear more about this vabbing. Okay. And how, how <laughs> Let's <this> move on. <laughs> and about how this actually like turned out. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially... The the premise is that you're using pheromones to attract people, yes. but uh, science will also tell you that humans don't have the strong sense of smell that our other animal counterparts mm-hmm. do and our olfactory bulb is not where you actually sense pheromones. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of debate if it works or doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I think from a, a placebo standpoint, though, that's where it can be impactful. Yeah. And there are experiments that say specifically when a woman is ovulating mm-hmm. that... Yes. Even, for example, strippers will earn more money Mm. on ovulation Mm. and people at clubs will wear less when they're ovulating. And so there is some science to that, but the actual using your vaginal juices perfume, I don't know if it works, but I do (laughs) know that when you do it, you feel like I've got this secret and I want people to know and you'll get closer to people at the bar. So I've used it for like 10 years on and off and sometimes like the results are stupid. Like people are flocking to me (laughs) and then other times there's no difference at all. So... Okay, so it's literally just like taking your vaginal juice and like rubbing it on like your your neck or on like your shoulders, your collarbone, maybe. Exactly. How yeah. do you know this? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, that's I'm where just... you apply you apply perfume, you know, to create a smell dome, so like the outside of your body, but yeah. also like where you have pressure points, so that mm-hmm. it distributes heat throughout the body, and that distributes the smell. Oh. So yeah, your wrists, your collarbone, your pulse points, oh. and yeah. I wonder. I feel like that's something like people did like you know back in the day. They so, did. Like, attract their mate. Yeah. Yes. Well, men used to do this with their handkerchiefs. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there's like sweat. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they would like wipe sweat off a woman's brow or like the handkerchief yeah. was for her, but they had also like soaked it in their own smell. smell. And this is before we were eating Pringles and like mm-hmm. McDonald's. Like we didn't use to stink that like we yeah. do right now. Very true. Very true. And that that is very noticeable, I think, especially like with m- male cum that you can yes. tell the difference there. Do tell. <laughs> I do. I do a fair share. I feel like I, feel like I try to tiptoe that balance um, of, you know, sharing education and knowledge, but also like my own personal experiences. And sometimes I get like extra vulnerable on here and then I'm like, wait, is this okay? Um, but then I thought I'm you like, were going to say I do my fair share of cum tasting. And I was going to be like, this is an amazing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Only as of somewhat recently, honestly. Um, and that's part of why I'm like, yeah, I do think it's important to to share my experiences along with other people to just help like reduce any kind of shame associated with those. But yeah, I had never like had a full um, load of cum in my mouth before. Like it had always been something I had like avoided. Not that I hadn't tasted cum before, but just like a full thing in my mouth. I was like, no thanks. (laughs) And yeah, recently I've, I've had that experience and um, he doesn't drink alcohol. He's vegan. Mm. Um, He like takes very good care of himself and it doesn't taste like anything. And I'm like, Oh, so different and wonderful. That was amazing because when this whole vabbing thing came out, there were so many adverse reactions Mm -hmm. to me and it was really picked up by a lot of male-centric blogs and Mm -hmm. sites who were like disgusted by it. Mm -hmm. Like vomiting emojis, this is awful. Or women who were like, this is the most grossest thing. And I'm like, this is really a reflection of one who you're choosing to mate with or number two, who you are and what you put into your body. My vaginal fluid is incredible. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just smell my own underwear. It's sweet, it's nice, but I don't eat meat. I drink Mm -hmm. water, I don't drink alcohol. Like, so I also don't wear deodorant all the time either. Yeah, I don't either. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think most women also don't usually like smell themselves or like taste themselves. Like for me, sometimes if someone is, you know, if I, if someone is fingering me or going down on me, like I always want to taste that too, to be like, all right. Where am I at? Yes. <laughs> I totally relate to like, this. I sometimes totally before relate. I know I'm about to go up with someone, I'll like go in the bathroom and just like do a little test. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay, cool. But I'll definitely <laughs> kiss somebody after they give me oral just to like solidarity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, yes. I'm this in this is, with you. I'm in this with you. Like, thank you. It's not gross to me. It's not gross to you. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm really loving the work that you're doing even more than I already thought I did. 
All right. It's time for a short break. I promise we we will get back to this conversation, but I want to share with you all a lovely sponsor of the podcast today that is perfect for all of you lovely, badass working ladies who listen to this podcast like myself and Shan. And if you've not heard me talk about them yet, um, I want to introduce you to Beta Brand. They have the perfect dress pants. They're basically like yoga pants, which I didn't know could actually exist. But if you're getting ready for work and deciding if to today is a stylish day or a comfortable day. Like if you ever go through that kind of mind thought process, if you're like, man, do I, do I get comfortable or do I actually, you know, look fancy and and professional? Uh, now thanks to beta brands, dress yoga pants, you don't have to decide. You can literally be both. You can be stylish, comfortable, and still be in professional attire. You don't, you shouldn't really have to pick one. So I'm super thankful because with beta brand, you never have to sacrifice comfort or function for style. Whatever your style is, beta brand has the pants to match. You can get so many different colors and patterns and cuts and styles like boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped. Uh, They even have a pair with eight, I'm not joking, eight pockets. And I freaking love pockets. <laughs> their, their pants honestly are super, super cute. Mine I got in like a nice little olivey tone. So they'll go with a lot of things and I am obsessed with them. And right now our listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash talk. That's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash talk. Millions of women agree, not just me, that these are the most comfortable pants that you will ever wear to work. Again, make sure to go to betabrand.com slash talk and get 20% off your pants and keep working hard, ladies. You got this. And now we'll get back to the show. Um, and so you recently came out with Game of Desire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also want to talk about you and your husband as well because yes. you guys are so fucking adorable. Oh, thank you. Um but first, uh, can you share this a little bit more about the book um, and kind of about using traction as like a skill that like anyone can Oh my have? gosh, you're the first person to kind of put it so succinctly well. So thank yeah. you for that. But that's essentially what the premise of the book was. Mm-hmm. Maybe about 2017, I did a TV show called Shambooty is Your Perfect Date. Mm-hmm. And the goal was I went on a bunch of dates with like no makeup, really baggy clothes. And I went on like 30 different dates. And I wanted to prove that dating is just a skill. Like it's an arbitrary skill, just like cooking is a skill. You just have to know how to get to know people, um, create vulnerability, create mm-hmm. shared intimacy in a short amount of time, and also to be curious. And so yeah. with that, the comment that I got back a lot from people was, well, you look how you look. And at the end of the day, I am um, the beneficiary of marketing Mm-hmm. of a beautiful person, right? Yes. Like I'm thin and I'm tall mm-hmm. and you know we've got curly hair. And so, yes, mm-hmm. I can't deny the fact that, that yes, society already positions me as attractive. And so that mm-hmm. is an advantage. So yeah. I didn't want, I wanted to, people to get the message, but mm-hmm. not get blinded by, I think, the optics. Mm-hmm. So with the Game of Desire, I worked with six women who all look different, different backgrounds, young mothers, young professionals. And the goal was to make them masterful seducers. Mm -hmm. And so we worked together for six months. And so the book is both a short story of our time together, Vabbing included, and also a self-help book so we can learn vicariously through what I taught them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Any other skills that you want to share with us in addition to Vabbing? Yeah. I mean, vabbing is actually not one of those skills. It was just like... Um, <laughs> Techniques, maybe? Yeah. It's a five-phase strategy. Phase one is to know. You got to know yourself inside and out. And to do that, we did the self-summary workbook, which is actually free for everybody. So you can go to thegameofdesire.com slash workbook and do that. It takes two hours. But the goal is to give you language. Because you know, like when we describe what do you do for a living, even mm-hmm. just now, you yeah. have a really beautiful way. And language is so important. Yes. If I asked you to describe your intimate self, You'd be like, I don't know, long walk. You, you'd be great at it, actually. So uh, Yeah, it would honestly just go straight to my horoscope. You'd be like, I'm a crab, so oh. <laughs> I'm really soft on the inside, but I have a hard shell and <laughs> just like scurry around. You but know? I think that's actually great, though. I think um, uh, horoscopes are really great for that way because it mm-hmm. is a lot of people's entry point to describing mm-hmm. really complex parts of their intimate self. Yeah. And a lot of people don't have that at all. And you're supposed to make an informed decision about what kind of partners you want to invite when you mm-hmm. don't even know who you are. Yeah. Like you go through 18 years of school it's a process of elimination so you can effectively decide in the end what do I want to invest money in as a career mm-hmm. whereas in with love you get no education no information Nothing. no insight and they're like pick yep 
good luck, motherfucker. Yeah. And we pick wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. So Noah is about really just having a better understanding of who you are, who you're best aligned with. And we also, for Noah, um, one of the exercises was, was to go back to one of your exes mm-hmm. and interview them to be like, what is it like to be in love with me? Love that that's included in there. I am basically good friends with all my exes except two. Mm-hmm. And even my most recent ex, you know, we're having some space right now, but I'm like, one day I think it will be very beneficial for you that like we can be friends because he's never had that experience of being friends with an ex. And I'm like, there's so much you can like that we can learn from each other as we reflect on our relationship that will help you not only in your friendships and your like business relationships, but just also in your romantic relationships and, and just in a general sense. And it has been so helpful for me to be able to like, for example, my college boyfriend that I was together with for three years of just like, you know, being able to call him up and be like, hey, like, what were your thoughts on like how I was at this point in our relationship and getting that reflection point from someone that I trust and that I respect and that I know is going to give me an an honest answer. And it's so helpful. That's the thing is it's based off this premise um, from Elaine Debat, which is this philosopher that I love. Mm -hmm. And he was essentially saying that most people have zero idea what their intimate flaws are. Mm -hmm. So as a stranger, you can walk in and meet somebody and know more than they actually know about themselves because Mm -hmm. their family doesn't tell them, their friends doesn't tell them, and their partner just broke up with them. And they never really said like, hey, you are actually a bulldozer and you don't leave space for someone else to have their insights come to fruition. Mm -hmm. Or hey, like you are way too yielding and around you, I never got to challenge myself because you always just folded to whatever I wanted or you talked way too much about yourself. Like those little insights that can really be blocking somebody from their romantic destiny, you never Mm -hmm. really get that kind of feedback. And so I gave the people in the group like a specific questionnaire to ask Mm -hmm. their ex and it wasn't about closure. It's mm-hmm. literally just yeah. like, why did I suck? Yeah. And I did it with one of my exes. It was a very eye-opening... And I only did it in solidarity because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, because they were all complaining about doing it. But I actually learned a lot from it. Yeah. So, Do you want, Are you open to sharing one yeah, of the things Yeah, he you did say that I had BO sometimes, which goes to the <laughs> fact that I don't like to wear deodorant. And back then I ate yes. meat. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I ate really... I ate whatever I wanted to. I ate yeah. a lot of cheese and dairy and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I had this because like, you know, I like learned very early on about like the dangers of deodorant. Yeah. And so I was like really into like reusable clothing. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, that was good to know. I should have. <laughs> Thank you. He also said that um, I didn't make myself emotionally vulnerable. Hmm. And I, I can totally see that like looking backwards because I was always trying to like get a step ahead of him. Mm-hmm. So I'd be acting too cool. And then when I would open up, if he didn't reciprocate immediately, I would close down. And so... Mm. Yeah, it was a good learning lesson, but I mean, I also got married, so I was like, I don't need this shit, but <laughs> yeah, tips not needed, but thank you, sir. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, one thing I learned even like just through maintaining my relationship with my college boyfriend was that I really was adamant on things being exactly my way mm-hmm. and that like things needed to really be my way or like I'd get really irritated and then I'd punish by like closing off. And that was not very helpful. That's a really great insight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And something that, something I've worked on. Because again, that goes to like a piece of control, which I think we all struggle with at some level. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's been very helpful to maintain those relationships. Even it sounds like in this exercise, it's not necessarily a maintaining of a relationship, but at least like a touching base with that relationship. It's like an exit interview at a job. Yeah. You know, when you leave a job, you just kind of want to make sure you're not going to the next job mm-hmm. doing the same shit that got you fired or True. that made the relationship at your workplace toxic. So mm-hmm. even if you chose to leave that situation, you want to grow. I mean, I think each relationship should be a building block where that brings you closer to your intimate destiny. Mm-hmm. And if you're not fit fixing the flaws that you had previously like how can you be better for the next person and sometimes too like even if you had an awful partner the you know you're you're in control of your own reactions Mm -hmm. and so I was in a toxic relationship previously and I became really territorial and jealous and gross like I mean like memorizing passwords going through his phone constantly Mm. and as much as I can say well that's because he did this or that and the third no that's still me like Mm -hmm. there was a really a sick part of me that wanted to invade someone's privacy in that way and felt like I had a right Mm -hmm. to someone's privacy. And so that was, even though it was a reflection of me and not the best situation, it was also a side of me that I saw that I I didn't recognize and I never wanted to see again. Yeah. You had a a, a post recently on Instagram that spoke about uh, finding someone, but that you need to heal those parts of yourself first before... Uh, what the fuck was it? You said 
I wrote this down too because it was a good one. You, you will stop attracting certain people when you heal the parts of you that need them. Mm-hmm. And maybe a part of that goes with that trust piece too. Yes. Yeah. Like trusting yourself. Like once you are in a, in a position to, to trust yourself maybe. I don't know what that um, perhaps insecurity would be in that example, right? Of like checking passwords and, and feeling a lot of intense jealousy um, and stopping attracting certain people like who maybe don't provide that security um, when you heal that within yourself. I don't know. Well said. I think like, and I think about that relationship is that he was very territorial as well. Mm-hmm. And I got involved with him at a time that I really had nothing. Like mm-hmm. I had just gone through a best friend breakup, which is arguably oh, the worst breakup. Yeah. And I was really lost in my career. I was back when I lived in Canada. Like I was just researching. And so he came around with so much certainty, right? Because that alpha mm-hmm. type is very certain. And so I mm-hmm. liked that, like, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And it, I just felt chosen. And yeah. I think that that is a culture that I also took part in of like, mm-hmm. well, I, now I'm controlling and choosing you. So it was just all around um, a manifestation of me being in a very low point in my life and making poor decisions to try yeah. to soothe myself. Yes. The soothing piece that, that goes so deep. There's so much we could say on that. Um, and this relationship is then what led you to your boo now. Yes. Uh, it, yeah. You know what? I would like love to say that it's not like that, but it happened like a month later. I mean, mind you, my yeah. breakup was really slow. It was mm-hmm. like a two-year breakup. Mm-hmm. But after I broke it off, genuinely, I'd been in a monogamous, one-way monogamous. You know, yeah. It's a one-way street. He was all over the oh, place, splitting yep. highways, yep. Yeah, mm. doing donuts. Um, yes. But I was with the same person sexually for five years. And during that time, I went to mm-hmm. school for sexology. So I was learning new shit. Mm-hmm. But we had an awful sex life because our relationship was awful yeah so i was like not getting to practice all this new things i've learned and so when we broke up i gave myself a month and then i'm like i gotta find someone to fuck who's gonna be amazing and Mm -hmm. gonna allow me to like allow this part of myself i knew emotionally i wasn't ready to connect with someone because i still had so much healing to do from that situation but physically i was definitely ready and um i just auditioned dudes for like maybe like a month or something and then Jared, my husband, mm-hmm. came over and we made out. And I'm like, oh, this is the dude I'm a fuck. <laughs> yeah. And true to my word, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you guys have been together now for how long? We've been married for a year mm-hmm. and together for four years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. All right. It's time for a short break here from one of our sponsors of the podcast. You all have heard me mention Ashford University in the past and want to share them again as a great resource if you are looking to get back to school at your own pace. Um, Ashford University, you can get your online bachelor's and master's degree. Um, The programs allow you to learn at your own pace. You can study wherever you're the most comfortable learning. Um, You can take one course at a time. So taking a um, one class, a six-week-long course actually qualifies you as a full-time student. And one of my favorite things about this that makes it just even easier to go back to school and and get your education is that there's no uh, requirement for standardized testing. So like the SAT, the GRE not required. Um, So if you all are interested in going back to school and want to check out Ashford University, um, again, get your degree at your own time. You can get on the road to earning your degree and making your dream job a reality. You can enroll now by going to ashford.edu slash Taylor. Again, that's ashford.edu slash Taylor to start your degree today. Again, be sure to check out ashford.edu slash Taylor. And now we can get back to the show. What are your thoughts on um, friends with benefits? Where do you sit on that? Um, I think that that can be fine. I think as long as as long as the both of you are on the same page, and as long as there's um, consent involved, as long as people are really upfront with their feelings about things. Same with any kind of relationship dynamic you're going to create, right? Like with your ex, when you're like monogamous, but then he's out like doing fucking who knows what, like. That that to me is like no like that's that's disrespectful like now you're like breaking boundaries that you've established within the relationship and I think friends with benefits can be a good way to like maybe start off a relationship right because you're still building that friendship but you're also allowing yourselves to like explore your sexual chemistry um, but again I think that part can be tricky because. One person might want more than that another yes. person might just want to be friends and then like you have to really have, I think, intentional communication around what it is that you both want and being really honest about that. Otherwise, it can get really messy, I think. Oh, I agree. I I always say that friends with benefits is like a pro move. 
Hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. in wrestling, like there's entry moves and there's pro yeah, moves. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like yeah, if you yeah. want to engage with that, mm-hmm. you do have to be a masterful communicator. You got to be honest with yourself. And also like when um, my husband and I were friends with benefits, like I had a lot of rules, not yeah. for him, but for myself, mm-hmm. because I knew that I didn't want to overinvest in the relationship. So like little things, like I never, ever reached out to him first. Because I didn't want to put myself in that risk and reward game of I text you and now I'm waiting for a text response back. And then I'm starting to confuse that with like my ego needing for you to like me back. And so Mm -hmm. I never text first and we never, ever had sleepovers, Hmm. not introducing each other to family. Like I had family come into town and they would never, it was not even a consideration in mind that they would meet him. Yeah. See, I don't know. That's like, because in that example, that's like, they're really held way out here, right? Like they're not, there's a lot of, walls up in that which I guess to some extent in the beginning like you're gonna have that anyway but then also how do you then actually start to like let someone in in that sense you know slow it was really I actually think about it now like we built our relationship in the perfect way for me Mm -hmm. what I needed especially too but I think healthy intimacy is small steps at a time Mm -hmm. like life is not a rom-com we don't got to wrap this shit up in an hour and a half like we can and it's enjoyable to go slow I think people think Mm -hmm. about slow as not fun or like you're restricting yourself it's like no like well it's like well you know now so why why wait you know like you just want to start the rest of your life right now I'm like no nah, I don't I mean this is a f- you wanted the bachelor so you already know <laughs> wrap this shit up fall in love fuck like get married let's go you yeah know? let's meet the parents yeah. let's go to the hometown like then let's get engaged and let's just do it let's do it. this it yeah mm-hmm. but I mean in real life it doesn't have to be that way and it was so enjoyable like mm-hmm. we were friends of benefits for like eight months yeah. and we didn't change our relationship structure until we moved in together hmm. like it was but it was so slow I didn't even realize it was happening Hmm. like we were just friends with benefits and then it was like oh hey do you want to go afterwards for frozen yogurt we would go have a good conversation like oh i kind of like talking to you let's talk afterwards now after we fuck Mm -hmm. and then it would be like oh me and my friends are having this football party do you and your friends want to come and i'm like that feels kind of weird you're my friends with benefits i don't know about this you know what i'll try it Mm -hmm. i go i don't feel weird i don't feel uncomfortable and this is like healthy for me and so now we do that and it was like that just gradual, slow process have happening. And the next thing that I knew, hmm. I literally didn't even know that I loved him until he told me he loved me. Yeah. Like I didn't even allow myself to really kind of settle and think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Like I'm thinking partially from your perspective, but then also like if it were me and even the, like the not texting piece, like that would be so difficult for me because as much as sometimes I definitely can like go into my little crab shell yes. and you know, like scurry away. Um, I try really hard to be like, yeah, if I'm thinking about someone, I'm going to reach out to them and trying to be like really secure in that and like not doubt myself because I, I feel like I definitely used to be in a place of like, oh, like I, I don't want to be the one to text first. I don't want to double text. I, I don't want to do those things because it puts me in a vulnerable place and that that's really scary. And now I feel like I try to just be like, well, fuck it. Like if they don't like me, then they don't like me. But like I'm going to be like 100% fully myself as much as I can be, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's a hard balance. And I, I hear what you're saying about like the, the, the slowness, right? Like letting yourself take some time with that. And I think, I don't know. I think that's an area. Do you know I think it is? I think that dating is about setting yourself up to like who you are. Mm-hmm. And if you know that you're going to like yourself if you text and then don't get a response and you're still going to be able to, if that person texts you back yeah. hours later, you could still be cool. Because I knew myself, if mm-hmm. I text was texting him all the time, yeah, if he you would come like, over, I may have this question of like, does he really want to be here? And then mm-hmm. I'm acting weird. So True. it's less about what is the right strategy and more about, hey, who do, how, what makes you your best self? Mm-hmm. Like how can you be your coolest, most relaxed, fun, awesome, and like really honoring that. Yeah. Like the core best parts of who you are, how can you create an environment where that individual thrives. Mm-hmm. And so over-investing is a sure shot way to make yourself yes. act fucking weird. Yep. Um, so I just yep. did not want to make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like that because it, I think, encourages authenticity mm-hmm. as well. And again, that first step that you spoke about of like knowing yourself and really respecting yourself as well, which I think can be really hard. I feel like I've talked to so many different friends about this recently where like, because you want this connection so badly, you're in many ways disrespecting yourself and disrespecting what you actually want in life and like acting in ways that are not in alignment with your ultimate goals or whatever. Um, 
And yeah, I think to actually take that step to like get to know you and respect those boundaries. Like if you know, like you said, that if you were to text first, it would put you in this place, then like either take a second to work through that or like respect them be like this is this is what it is and and respecting that and it's beneficial for everybody you know Mm -hmm. like they get the a better version of me i get the best version of me i get to honor the arrangement that we had yeah and so but if on the opposite end of the spectrum you're like no i love leading when Mm -hmm. i lead i feel really good i feel really powerful then i would like text first like Mm -hmm. whatever it is i am like I'm I'm such a quiz and like loser too. I just put that on there. I definitely my one you of my do, nicknames. You do got some quizzes. Yes, <laughs> my friend calls me Shanbot, and he's like, because nothing is like everything is so analytical. And I watched this clip actually with Jake Gyllenhaal that I screenshotted and recorded because it was so mm-hmm. good. He was like, in order to be good at something, you have to be almost robotic and analytical in the beginning. Like your first time that you're learning to do a layup, it has to be like two steps, right arm up, backboard, arm down. Like in that way. And then eventually it becomes this fluid motion because you now have the muscle memory for it. (laughs) So I approach everything from a very like robotic way. But it's not because I'm like showing up as a robot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. It's so I can show up and be good. (laughs) Yeah. But I like this quiz called the VAK quiz where Mm -hmm. it's about what environments bring out the best in you. And I think people should do that to choose their first dates or their dates in general. I like that. Like if you're a visual person, like go to a museum because you mm-hmm. know that you draw inspiration from seeing beautiful things and that it sparks that part of your brain that allows you to flow beautifully. If yeah. you're kinesthetic, go and do like hammer throwing mm-hmm. or go to an ice rink together. Yeah. And again, like I think 90% of dating is really focused in our world about finding the right person. But to mm-hmm. me, it's like putting yourself in a position to be your own version of the right person. True. True, true, true. Hmm. I need to take that quiz. I love a quiz. You can come to me anytime yeah. for quizzes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to need to take I have that an quiz. arsenal of quizzes. <laughs> Very curious what, what my results would say. Um, I'm going to guess you'd be kinesthetic only because you're like wearing sports clothes right now. I don't think so. <laughs> this is just like, because this is comfortable. Okay, I understand. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if you just came from working out or we're no, working out later I, together. I uh, like, I like hikes and I like to be outdoors, but like gyms are not my thing. Mm-hmm. Like going to a gym and just doing like repetitive motions. Like I don't find any joy or, I mean, I know that there's like endorphins there, but yeah, I, if I'm doing something for exercise, I like it to be play. So like tennis or volleyball Ooh. or like I rollerblade a lot in Seattle. Um, going for a walk those kinds of things but, but still kinesthetic but you might actually maybe auditory because you're a podcaster like auditory is just so yeah. we can sit and listen to each other in like a focused environment yes i'm always like let's talk i'm like <laughs> how are you feeling about this like literally it was just on a date last night and he was like alex like we've talked about like dating and like you know just kind of like interpersonal interpersonal like reflections and stuff a lot like <laughs> curious like what else do you want to talk about <laughs> Was it a good date? Yeah, no, it was really great. I mean, we've like, there have been several, several dates and we, we have talked about other things like on other dates, but yeah, a lot of, uh, plus being in LA, a lot of my trip is focused around like bachelor type stuff and all of that world, which is a lot of dating and there's a lot of like re- personal reflections there. Um, and I just had to like take a second. I was like, oh yeah, shit. Like we should probably be talking about like, you know, what's going on in the world and like other yes. things we're passionate about, but I do get so wrapped up in, you know, love and, and dating and, and sex and it's a wonderful part of life. Things. I know. It's a wonderful part of life. And you said that in your, in the previous relationship, you guys were together for four or five years. And mm-hmm. so you were only having sex with that one person. And then we're only really single for about a month before you met Jared. Yes, but I was still single. I mean, he were he and I were friends, friends with benefits. benefits, so definitely was yeah. still dating a lot. Okay, yeah. So you were able to have like other sexual experiences before Jared. You know what? No, I didn't. Not I had sexual experiences. Like mm-hmm. it's just like this is the thing. As our relationship began, as open and like yeah. in many ways we still are, and that's primarily because. I actually don't need somebody to tell me like what I can and can't do. I make mm-hmm. really good decisions for myself. Yeah. And I did as a single person. And so I say this to say like Jared is the only person in LA I've ever had sex with, like, yeah. in, like um, penetrative sex. Mm-hmm. Oral sex, different. I yeah. mean, I just, again, kind of going back to knowing myself and what brings out the best in mm-hmm. me. Like there's certain lines I just wasn't interested in crossing because I didn't see yeah. the point of the investment in that way. Mm-hmm. So he was my only like, yeah, like sexual partner in that, I think, mm-hmm. you know, almost like grade school way. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely did have other intimate partners. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tricky place to balance I think when you're single of like dating more than one person I think a lot of women struggle with that piece and um a lot of what I what I remember you kind of mentioning in the book and and hearing other people mention in the book is also just like giving 
encouragement and empowering women to like take agency in their dating and like being assertive in that, that, um, that that can kind of be an, an uncomfortable place to be, especially because these days, you know, I don't know. Most of the time, I think people expect men to initiate things and women are kind of like waiting to be chosen yes. kind of a vibe. Uh, I roll. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that... That's so opposite to Bachelor though, which is what kind of cool, right? Because it really pushes people beyond that. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think like... I think on, on Bachelorette, it definitely gives the lead agency to be more assertive in that and to be empowered in dating more than one man. Um, and on Paradise... A little bit, yeah. Like women get the roses one week and then the guys have the roses one week. But on actual Bachelor, it definitely is a like feeling of you're just waiting to be chosen, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, again, there's not that empowerment of like the women can date multiple people. Um, But I think even just, you know, even as I go about dating, it's like, oh, how many people are you having sex with? Like, how many people are you dating? Instagram. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. Those aren't real people. <laughs> I mean, you guys, if you're, you probably are a real person, but the people who are leaving those comments are not real people. I was yeah. saying that the other day, like, you know, we take so much account. If I was on the street, I live in LA mm-hmm. and a person on the road started screaming at me, yeah. obscenities, I would never stop and listen. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when I catch myself reading certain comments, I'm like, if there's never a situation in real yeah. life that you would have my attention. So I got to keep on walking just like I would if you were on the street yelling at a street sign and then turning at me and screaming at me. True, true. Ooh. See, I wish that my pettiness wasn't fueling me so okay. much because like <laughs> when I get comments like, you know, oh, your sternum is really showing. Are you sure that you're like eating enough? Or, you know, oh my God, your nipples are, are showing or like hard through your shirt. Like this is so unladylike and so inappropriate and like you're so thirsty for attention. I want to clap back so hard with yeah. so many things and it's just like, okay, chill out, Taylor. It's human like nature. You don't have you to, to take do that. You don't have to take on every battle. Yeah, it's. I definitely went through that uh, for a long. I, my partner is like the honest to god, like milk of human kindness, mm-hmm. like genuinely just the land of milk and honey, and so nice. And so mm-hmm. I think I've learned through him because I definitely was like attacking people, and yeah. then <laughs> they attack you, and then people attack you for attacking them because mm-hmm. they hold you to a higher standard. And it just was like, yeah. again, I'm just I've I've literally missed my appointment because I've stopped to yell at the guy on the street who's yelling at me. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? Yeah, um, yeah, like being intentional with your time and yeah. your energy, which I think is also very. Um, very prelevant for prelevant. I'm like, I can't do words. If right anybody now. would, it's definitely very close. <laughs> <laughs> it seems very relevant to dating as yes. well, of like being very intentional with your time. Oh, and you were doing prevalent and relevant combined. Yep. Prelevant. I respect it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's Monday. It's, it's Monday, Monday, people. <laughs> I took her tea. <laughs> yes. It's Monday morning. We're drinking tea. Yes. It's. Being intentional with your time and your energy, I mean, it sounds like even you, you were very intentional with that when you first started dating with with Jared and being friends with benefits too, it sounds like. Yeah, I absolutely Mm -hmm. was. I think again, just, I'm my best self. It's a whole put the oxygen mask on you first. Yeah. Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs says that Mm -hmm. we can actually start to focus on the needs of others when all of our needs are met. Mm -hmm. I think as women, we think about that inverted. Like we got to focus on everybody else. And then once everyone else take care of them, we look after ourselves. Yeah. And even if you want to honor that system, because it is beautiful if you want to honor that, you are more helpful. You are better fit to be a guide or an aid for others when you have looked after yourself. So mm-hmm. I think that for me, it just became a, a no brainer of if I want to start showing up in intimate relationships in a way that's beneficial to me and others, I got to start putting myself first. Yeah. And by doing that, everybody actually wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... How do you like walk through with people or maybe even like in the book or with these uh, six women that you worked with um, of, I guess, having that assertiveness, right, to pursue the things that they're interested in while also being like very intentional with their timing and with their energy and and taking care of themselves as well? Because I think a lot of people tend to feel a bit jaded and exhausted by dating. You know why I always think it's just important? Like even when you were talking about dating, like, oh my God, I, like 
yesterday we were at dinner and there was uh, two married people and then like two single people. Mm-hmm. And the single married people were like, oh, how, what's it like being single? Like it just sounds so fun, like going on dates and you're meeting somebody, <laughs> these unsure energies and yeah. you text somebody, you're like waiting to see what's going to happen. And it's like, there's so much joy in that. But if you never forget that dating is such a spectacular, beautiful activity. Mm-hmm. Like it is people who are setting aside time and their very busy schedules to yep. say, you're a stranger. I don't know shit about you or what you can provide me, but I just want to spend time with you getting to figure that out. Mm-hmm. And I'm setting the intention for that I'm looking for that. Whether yeah. it's looking for sex or I'm looking for a long-term partnership or I'm looking for someone to throuple with, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're still setting yeah. aside time for the unknown just to connect with another human being. Mm-hmm. And if you always remember that at the core, like... It just, there's so, there's so much beauty in it. I was doing this live show for almost 30 of the podcast mm-hmm. and they had these like horror dating stories and everybody was laughing. And as much as you're like, this is funny, it's also very indicative of the fact that we just don't get taught how to do this. Yeah, People are crashing and burning and making mistakes. But if you peel back the judgment, you mm-hmm. can see that the intent is there and it's beautiful. Yeah. And maybe they were misdirected and you could kind of see where the misdirection happened. You're like, oh, I know very who true. told you this, that made you do that. Mm-hmm. But that's the wrong way of going about it. But you actually had the right intention. So mm-hmm. just as long, just don't get jaded by just reminding yourself that looking for love is like the most beautiful thing you can do on this planet. Yeah. And if someone else is actually just setting aside time to do that, even if they're not doing it well, there's something really nice about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I've talked a lot on the podcast about intention versus impact. Mm. And Oh, I do think, tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure you've gotten this too. What are you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, for sure. Yeah, that's a big one that, that I've talked about on here. I'm just like intention versus impact. Like, yeah, I get that your intent is just like you're curious and you want to, you know get to know me or whatever you want to see if you're right when you when you guess or you just think I'm really beautiful and I'm so exotic and all your curls are so beautiful um I get that that's the intention but the impact is actually you're kind of like dehumanizing in a way you're very much eroticizing and fetishizing my background and it feels like a very surface level like game that I was not like I didn't consent to playing yeah um and then I've just disappointed you now with you know being half black, half white, that you would have never guessed. And like, no way, there's no way I'm black. Um, impact, right? Yeah. That like, yeah, you still have to uh, account for the fact that your your impact might not fit or be in alignment with what your intention was. Um, and I think in in the sense of dating, I think being able to look at the intention can really help you to actually maybe better connect with them to, like you said, peel back those layers and realize, okay, yeah, you might've been told this along the way that actually is, is not maybe even authentic for where you're at, but you're, you're trying. And maybe we look at that effort and that intention as something that's exciting, something to be grateful for, something to connect on. Mm -hmm. I'm just like literally pontificating over what you said. And I 100% know how I'm going to use what you... And when you hear me say it, I'm not going to credit you because I'm a stealer. <laughs> but that impact versus intention piece is so, so beautifully said. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a hard one. Even, you know, in relationships and like you say something that hurts someone feeling, someone's feelings, right? Like for me, a strong boundary I have in my rom- any relationship, not just romantic relationship, is like how you speak to each other. Like verbally uh explicit language like saying like fuck you or like shut the fuck up or fuck off like that's not stuff i tolerate in my relationships and i can certainly understand that someone's intention was you know oh like i'm just done this conversation i was just like joking around but it's like no that Mm. wasn't the impact of it the impact was not like this joke just continued like no you closed off the joke now and now i'm closed off and now i'm triggered um and you know when someone's actually apologizing for something of not just saying, oh, I'm sorry, like I was just joking around. Yeah. Because you're not actually taking accountability for the impact of, of, of why the apology is needed. Mm-hmm. You're just defending yourself and speaking to your intention. Mm-hmm. And when you've hurt someone's feelings, your intention is maybe not what they want to hear. Like right. they want to hear the empathy and they want to hear the understanding of how you've hurt them. Yes. Um, and so apologizing to that impact, I think is really helpful with just like actually creating connection through a conflict. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could really put that in such a visual way, right? Of like breaking something. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
all of the right intentions in the world aren't going to change the fact that this is now broken and shattered in the ground. And sometimes I think when it comes to feelings, because we can't see it in that way, mm-hmm. we don't process it in that same way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, one thing I want to get to is uh, flirting. Mm. Yeah. I love flirting. So fun. Yeah. Um, so you've talked about like tips for flirting and I'm curious to your, your perspective on people flirting when they're in monogamous relationships. Cause I think in, in some relationships that are monogamous, people look at flirting as, as cheating. Yes. Um, and I'm curious what your either perhaps personal or, you know, professional educational thoughts are on that. Well, I have a quiz. Um, <laughs> I have this quiz. It's called the commitment quiz. And it outlines, because again, I really believe language is so important, right? Like when you can put Mm -hmm. a word on something and people hate labels, but labels are for fast consumption. Mm -hmm. I get that a Fuji, not all Fuji apples are created equally, but I don't want to be like Fuji apple a la Dante, Fuji appy. Like I just Mm want to see Fuji and I'll pick the one I want, right? So I need it for fast consumption. Mm -hmm. So I want to encourage people to adopt labels to help other people understand them. And then you can have more complex conversations to work out the nuances. But what you're talking about to me is monogamous versus monogamish. Yeah. And monogamous is like, it's one partner I'm dedicating to you. Modern monogamy is different than traditional monogamy. Traditional Mm -hmm. monogamy is one person for life. And that's like where the word widow comes from. Like when your partner dies that you're done, you know, you really committed to that person. Whereas in modern monogamy is one person at a time. So you could, you believe in divorce, you could have several wives or husbands Mm -hmm. and several long-term partners. Uh, But also when you're in, you're you're truly are in. And if you're adopting modern monogamous, I would say you do have uh, extra... If you want to flirt, you definitely have to clear that with your partner. Yeah. Now, if you establish your relationship as monogamish, where it's like, we're monogamous for all intents and purposes, but at the end of the day, I get I'm not going to be the only person you're attracted to yes. because you for damn sure aren't the only person I'm attracted yep. to. Yep. So I'm going to flirt. I'm going to definitely, you might see me online kind of like leaving heart emojis underneath Drake's comments or whatever <laughs> it is that you're going to do, but know that we're not crossing any boundaries, but I do mm-hmm. find joy in the reciprocal flirty energy from others. And it actually allows me to come home and feel more excited about our connection. Yes. Using that flirty energy when you get back to your partner. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so if you obviously extend beyond that and now you're making an emotional connection or you're making a physical connection with somebody, you're now mm-hmm. going into an open relationship. But as long mm-hmm. as you guys have it strictly under we can just flirt and that's okay for us, that's yeah. a part of healthy expression, how we want to express our love, mm-hmm. that's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're saying here is that it's cheating if you say it's cheating. It's yeah. not cheating if you don't say it's cheating. Cheating yeah. is breaking the rules of the game that the two of us agree upon. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Where do, where do you stand on flirting? What's your I'm very, hard lines? Um, I'm very pro-flirt. Um, and I think even in a monogamous relationship, it can be very healthy and good to flirt. I think certainly understanding where the boundaries are there um, is important. And I think, you know... I. I can be a bit flirty and I know my previous partners in the, in the past have definitely been, been flirty. And, and sometimes it's like we can use that energy um, like together when we're out, you yes. know, like we're like flirty with each other, but then we're also talking with someone else and like maybe one of us or both of us are like somewhat flirty with that person too. Um, and I think that can be fun sharing that flirting energy together with another person. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think that there's... I definitely lean more towards like an open poly type preference for my relationships. Um, And I've always said, even in my monogamous, there's so many different forms of saying this word and I really can't say words today. Um, (laughs) Even in my monogamous relationships, um, I still had always said, you know, whoever I marry is not going to be the one and only person I have sex with for the rest of my life. Like there's going to be some kind of sexual exploration there. And I'm sure there will also be like emotional connections that I explore as well. Um, And those relationships were predominantly just monogamous. So I think that's present, but I think also I'm just being a lot more intentional and creating the kind of relationship I want and, Especially, like, I can't date people in Seattle, apparently. Like, I just can't find people (laughs) in in the same place to date. And so being long distance with, you know, several people also makes it to me, like, yeah, having some of this openness makes sense. And um, I think it can can be good. Again, it's just, it is a lot of communication around, like, what 
what both parties want and how you can be respectful through that. What I love about what you're saying too is that it's not personal to anybody. Mm-mm. I think a lot of times people interpret someone's desire to flirt with others as personal to your partner. Like, well, you haven't found the one yet. And it's <laughs> not that. It's just an orientation. I get a lot of that. I get a lot yeah, of that. It's an or- it's a, it is a lifestyle choice. It is also like how you like to love and connect. And even asking that in the beginning of relationships, like what level of commitment brings out the best in you? How do you like to connect question. with others, right? And you answered that beautifully just now. And you could answer that on date number one. Yeah, usually, usually I do. <laughs> and usually there's a lot of, a lot of conversations around it. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. The, the whole like open poly type relationships I think has been more and more of a conversation in the public eye mm-hmm. now. And I'm curious how you've seen that come up. I think it's amazing. And I think that monogamous people who are against that, non-monogamy is monogamy's friend. Mm-hmm. It's 100% its friend because now you have less people trying to force themselves into a structure that they cannot adhere to. Yeah. Because the major issue is betrayal. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people can agree across the board that the cheating itself sometimes isn't the main problem. It's the lies. Yeah. It is the exuberant amount of like... Um, effort somebody went through to deceive you that that's what truly hurts and so just even hearing that like makes me feel like just but we also get it i'm like oh you were deceiving me yeah but we understand because that person may just genuinely be a not high novelty seeker so Mm -hmm. like actually um when the big five personality test also has the quiz online for this but the big five personality test is a really great indicator of a cheating somebody who's prone to cheating or prone to wanting Mm -hmm. multiple partners and that's somebody who is low in conscientiousness meaning they kind of make up their own rules for life like Mm -hmm. their morality is based on an inner compass not like societal Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not like caring about other people's perception and then somebody who's a high novelty seeker so who Mm -hmm. needs like new things like somebody who always wants to travel always wants to go out always try new food and that combination creates the kind of person who would be likely to do that um that's just a little red flag for y'all but i think in general you have a lot of people who are just not set up to be successful in monogamy Mm -hmm. trying to force themselves in it because they don't see another structure for themselves yeah and that's where pain and betrayal happens and so i would rather people be honest about who they are what they're capable of doing and not hurt other people trying to conform Mm -hmm. and so now that we have this non-monogamy conversation going on there's less excuses for people to lie to others yes and if you're still lying i mean one i understand because there's years of conditioning Mm -hmm. that tell you that if you want something other than monogamy you're broken you're not doing love right yeah but i think that that excuse is becoming less and less because there are more conversations like the one we're having right now Mm -hmm. that gives people permission to love how they want to yeah absolutely yeah it's i'm very glad that people are talking more and more about it um i'm curious uh just to kind of go back to the flirting piece a little bit um some tips for for flirting i think i'm a really awkward flirter i doubt that girl you lie (laughs) no i like i definitely if i step outside of myself i use my awkwardness to be like a cute thing to flirt but i'm very like uh forward about my awkwardness i guess Mm -hmm. and yeah, no, no, I had some like new flirting happen recently, like over the weekend, and oh, do tell. Uh, What's new flirting? <laughs> uh, like, like, dif- like a different kind of flirting for me, where I was very. I mean, first of all, I had like a lingerie on as like a bodysuit, so I was already like feeling feeling a little in like a sexual vibe, right? Mm. And I was like, mm, yeah, come at me, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a new kind of flirting where usually I think things are a little bit more unspoken, right? And and um, you kind of like beat around the bush a little bit or like you're, you're, you're using puns or something. And and in this situation or the weekend, it was just very forward. Mm-hmm. And I was I was very, there was a lot of sexual tension and it was just like, yeah. A good time. Yeah. It was like just straight up like, yes, I, I want to attack you. Mm-hmm. Like just, yeah, pull off all your clothes. And- you guys said that to each other? Yeah, he said that to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Which, like, I don't know, that's probably, like, just a real extension of flirting. Like, I don't know if that goes beyond flirty to just, like, dirty talking, but... I think that flirting is like golfing, right? Like, you've got a Mm. bunch of clubs, and you pull out different ones depending on the environment. I think that about seduction, right? Like, an expert seducer, it's not like a bat to baseball where, like, you got one thing and you just hit it every time, Mm -hmm. and so you're always Mm -hmm. forward because the environment doesn't always call for that. And so sometimes it it is about playing more of the coquette, the tease, like kind of the push and pull that's going on, the look Mm -hmm. and then the look away and then the like. Oh, yes. 
yeah. It's there's a little, lot of that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you use several, if you have, I mean, whenever someone says to me they're not good at flirting, it's like the equivalent of saying I'm not good at making rice. You just don't do it enough. And so you haven't learned how to do it and feel confident in it. So if you mm. don't think you're good at flirting, just try to do it more often. And that's a big thing for me. Like uh, The five phases of my book are to know, then to change, then to learn, then practice, then be. And practice is such an important ingredient because again, going back to basketball, if you don't practice a layup 50,000 times in practice yeah. in a game, fourth quarter, two seconds in the shot clock, motherfucker, you're not letting that layup. Mm-hmm. Like you're just not. Mm-hmm. When pressure is um, present, your brain goes to whatever neural circuit it travels the most. And so if you're not constantly flirting, you're not going to know how to do it when the stakes are high. And that's why it has to become a lifestyle for you. Hmm. And flirting, as my friend who's an expert in the book, Ari Fitz, um, flirting is just communication plus sparks. It doesn't have to be lingerie bodysuit, like take my clothes off all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it can just be... This is a new version A new version. Yeah. It's a different tool, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes it can be you and the hot dog stand lady and being like, your yeah. eyes really complement your skin tone. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And just a little bit of extra eye contact to make her blush a bit yes. and then leave. You gave oh, yeah. that person a good moment. You tried something mm-hmm. new for yourself. And it's like, I think that when flirting is done well, there shouldn't be any intention behind it. It's just Mm. genuinely like, let me share an experience with this person and see if they want to share back. And if they don't, Mm. tap out. Um, But I think that if you're doing it constantly, when it counts, it's just going to come second nature to you. Yeah. To get to your level where you're pro status, where you're like, nah, we're going, we're going for the gusto. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's very unexpected, uh, flirty connection, but not my usual, I would say. Like every Sunday I flirt with my guys at my farmer's market who I get my peanut butter cookies from. Like there's always like a little (laughs) bit of flirtation, like a little bit of energy there that you sense. And sometimes I lean into it and other times I'm just like, I just want to get my cookie and go home. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think that the practice piece is is so important, like you said. And, And it takes a level of vulnerability that people do have to like get outside of themselves to to actually do and, and put themselves out there. But I think even just that is part of what is so scary about dating and what makes people kind of just want to stay in their comfort zone and also would rather like have someone just come and choose them before they're vulnerable because it it does can, can be scary and, and it does take a lot of work. And I think you do have to be intentional about putting yourself out there. But I think it's interesting what you said about like flirting, but with no intention. We're yeah. just letting it. Like- you will get rejected. It mm-hmm. will be awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the rejection I don't think should be overt because you should never approach somebody in a flirty stance. Like this guy was telling me a story of um, how a woman at a club just like started dancing on him. Like oh, that yeah, was the introduction like move. No. And I'm like, he's like, you know, sometimes women are too forward. I'm like, that's a bad move on any part. Yeah. Your introduction move should not be, let me put my ass on your penis. Yeah. Like that's... you've got to have a couple of moments of eye contact before. We actually had a stripper expert come in for the book and mm-hmm. she talked about flirting with consent mm-hmm. and it was like a step-by-step process. And she said, step one is take someone's temperature. Kind of like look at them and say, are they in a rush? Are they in a good mood? Are they talking to others? And like, if you notice that they seem open and engaged, okay, mm-hmm. cool. Now you invade their space get close do they catch your eye are they looking at you if so like can you have a couple of moments before you even speak Mm -hmm. can you do an eye contact and then a nonverbal cue and then maybe a gesture or wave over she said step three when she walks over to somebody because when you're at a restaurant and your food is coming you clear space subconsciously because you're excited for your food so she notes that when she walks over to a client do they make space for her or are Mm. they staying still and if they're staying still she might just walk right by Hmm. so you're doing all of these flirting things before you ever put yourself out there this Hmm. isn't a 20 minute process this could just be 30 seconds i just told you yep for sure yeah and i think through that you're you're gauging you're gauging the interaction throughout that whole time before you're putting yourself out there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Because if you're walking over to somebody terrified, you probably haven't done the work before. Mm. You can be excited, but if you're like, I don't know if I'm about to get a pie in my face or my husband, like maybe do a little bit of extra steps before just to take down the nerves. Again, going Mm -hmm. back to that sentence of how do I put myself in a position to be the best me? Mm -hmm. And I can walk over more confident when I know we've created rapport. If I don't, I'm going in blindly. There's going to be an air of uncertainty about me and uncertainty is not sexy. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uncertainty is not sexy. Although awkwardness can be sexy. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I think occasionally the... Sometimes the uncertainty is like the the middle the middle ground of the game, of the dance, before you're fully in, mm-hmm. right? Of like... 
hmm, do they like me? Do they not like me? Like there's some like healthy curiosity that's there, but then when it's too much and someone's like, you're, you just have no clue what you want from me. Yes. Then that's not sexy. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, no. Or like, it just creates this, like, what do you actually want? Because they're Mm -hmm. nervous and skittish. And like, even if you are, I always say this to people, like when they're on dates, sometimes they'll be moving rapidly because they're nervous, like tucking Mm -hmm. their hair behind their hair, adjusting their shirt. Yes. And like, imagine being in the wild and you're beside an animal that's moving constantly. Your fight or flight goes up. Mm -hmm. You're on guard. Like their uneasiness is contagious. Now I'm awkward around you. Mm -hmm. And the quote that my dad said I always keep with me is that people very rarely remember the details of what you said or what happened, but they will always remember how you made them feel. Exactly. And so if I'm around you, even if I'm the one who's nervous, but my nervous is making you nervous, you nervous, when you think about me, you're like, I just, I don't know if I want to hang out her again Mm because I just didn't feel comfortable. I can't tell you why, but I just do know that for some reason I didn't feel relaxed around that person yeah Yeah. no that's very very valid point um i super appreciate those flirting thoughts um i have so many other questions for you and so many other things i wanted us to get to like sex toys um but we have to wrap up for today um we've already talked about your book game of desire uh yes shout it out shout that motherfucker (laughs) out yeah, so where can people find you? Where can people find the book? Um, your Instagram is just so beautiful, and I love it's like um, I want more of of uh, like the sexy content for myself. It's a fine line because there's like significant backlash anytime I try to express my sexuality online. Um, but I love like I feel like you do a very good balance of that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, it just is years. I've been in this space mm-hmm. for 13 years. Yeah. So I've gone through every single phase of doubt, insecurity, and I even always apply that to other people and empathy. Mm-hmm. When I meet somebody who's not completely sexually open yet, I'm like, it takes time. Even yeah. for me, who's been in this space, like I've definitely gone through peaks and valleys of mm-hmm. times I feel really good and times I just want to kind of like shell away because I'm afraid of the attention it gets. So mm-hmm. I, I respect that journey. Yeah. But I my book, um, that's my only wish, um, you can actually mm-hmm. go to audible.com slash booty and get it for free with an audible trial if you're a listener of audio as you are if you listen to this podcast Mm -hmm. it might be the option for you Um, but it's also available everywhere books are sold amazing yeah thank you for having this is such a joy yeah no i'm so glad we got to connect and would love to have you on the podcast again because this was all amazing and just more conversations need to be had like this yeah agreed and thank you for the work that you do you're so incredibly smart yeah thank you so are you We're flirting, whatever. Yeah, it's just a little bit of flirting to end the podcast. (laughs) All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading, you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right, and and sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.